Hi guys, I'm Megan. And I'm Josh. And welcome back to How Marvelous. So what are we talking about this week? So we are talking about, I don't know. Okay, so I said this with Gwen Poole, but I like genuinely don't know if she's your favorite, but one of, if not your favorite Star Wars characters. Yeah, for sure. She's, I don't know if she's my absolute favorite because she's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, it, Dr. Shelley Afra is definitely up there for me in terms of favorite Star Wars characters. I adore her. Yeah, she's she's great. I remember you've you've talked to me about her a little bit. Well, a lot. And I've just always been like, yeah, I'll, I'll read them later. I finally got to reading them for this episode and she is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I remember last week we were talking about Gwenpool and Dr. Afra having like a crossover series where Gwen would go over to the Star Wars universe. Would they work together? They they would definitely be buddies. Oh, for sure. They would definitely uh, be buddies. They would either be buddies or they would kill each other. But I like I genuinely feel like there's a certain chaos that they share. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they would mesh really well. I've I've read most of her comic appearances you've read a handful of them but just to give a little background on the character uh Dr. Afra was first introduced in the Darth Vader comic as sort of a henchman for Darth Vader he recruits her to kind of do his dirty work underneath the emperor's nose and then later on a couple years on the road she got her own solo run she's actually now has two solo runs uh, one that takes place uh, shortly after the destruction of the first Death Star, and then the second one takes place shortly after Episode Five. She's got a lot of uh, of content out there that is that is exclusively hers, and then she also shows up a lot in other stories as well. Do you think that? And I know I texted this to you after I read this when she is introduced in the Darth Vader comics. I said to you, she reminds me a lot of Ahsoka but she doesn't remind me at all of Ahsoka. And I think it's just her vibe. And I think that's why her and Anakin got along. Well, kind of got along. Mm -hmm. I feel like she reminded him just like a little bit of Ahsoka. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying with that. Like she is the kind of character that's quippy and that makes nice remarks and isn't afraid to go kind of toe to toe with Darth Vader. So I think her personality is definitely a lot darker than Ahsoka's, but I think mm-hmm. they both represent something that, that Anakin slash Vader was looking for in a companion, in, in like a, a workplace companion, that is, at, mm-hmm. at different points in his life. Do you think that Ahsoka was really a workplace companion? Because I've I've read places, and I think that Ashley has even said stuff that's like, she was supposed to be a little sister to him. Yeah. So do you, do you think that Shelly kind of played a little bit of a, a little sister or like a like a little mentee kind of role um I I think maybe a little bit but to a far far lesser degree than Ahsoka did for sure Mm -hmm. I think she was much more of a workplace associate than Ahsoka ever was I think this is the first time that we meet her but I finally got to the line where she says it belongs in an armory Mm -hmm. and I I feel like that's very indicative of her personality you know she's very she's very business and she she loves what she does she's so passionate about what she does even if it is kind of illegal I mean 
not not kind of very illegal Mm -hmm. um what would you say is her best experience or like her best mission um that's a really good question because she's got a lot of really cool things that she's done I think I don't know if this is going to answer the question exactly but I think the time that I was most excited to see her Mm -hmm. and I actually don't know if, if you've read these before um, but she is, she turns out to be one of the central characters in the Black Spire Outpost comics that came out close to the opening of, of the land at, at Hollywood Studios and at Disneyland. She, she's hired to, to steal a sword from Doc Ondar. Leave my boy alone. I, yeah, I so love him. It's, it's the sword of, it's called the Sword of Kashun or Kash, Kash, K-H-A-S-H-Y-U-N. Kashyun, um, I don't know, it's a Star Wars game, so whatever. Right. Um, but she she's hired to steal it from him, obviously during the Age of the Empire, and the comics are kind of told in in parallel stories, but in different timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it, the, the Empire, the Age of the Empire storyline is a flashback, but there's Age of Resistance storyline that also centers around Doc Ondar and the sword and like her her appearing at the end of I think the first issue was just a really cool surprise because like it's this character that I love and I didn't expect her to be in it and it also is about at the time a a brand new Star Wars experience there Mm -hmm. was nothing like Galaxy's Edge before and of course that's very near and dear to my heart and then another really cool thing about it is that the that specific comic run um, was built or, or created to to be integrated into Galaxy's Edge so you can actually see the sword hanging up in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. Can you really? Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to point that out to me next time we're there because Josh you opened up Swiggy right? I did yeah so yeah. I, was, I was on the opening team for the land. So yeah. when my brother and I because we have another brother he's my twin and we like love Star Wars the three of us love Star Wars and so when we got to go for the first time Doc actually stood up and bowed to us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not something he does often. Right. And and Josh was like, I've never seen him do that before. So so Doc is something like Doc is one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that is really cool that she actually gets to to go to the Black Spire outpost. Cause that was something obviously when it was introduced, we all kind of thought it was more of a resistance thing, but it is really cool. That was kind of integrated with the empire. Yeah. And that, that specific storyline takes place in between her time working for Vader and her introduction to her own solo run uh, Mm -hmm. and with the, like the raid at Yavin 4 and all of this stuff with the Ordu Espectu. So it's a, a neat little story that fits in between the two of those times. So what I'm assuming is her first mission, it was her first kind of outing, her first little field trip with Darth Vader was their mission to Geonosis. And I don't know if everybody else has the same feelings about, you know, the Geonosians and Geonosis, but I don't like it. What do you feel about that, Josh? What don't you like about it? I don't, I have a weird thing about worms. I don't like them. They freak me out. I don't like slithering things going into orifices that they're not supposed to go into. Like there's a movie that I just watched. Um, I think it's literally called Slither, but it's got Michael Rooker in it. And it's like, it's about this alien and he releases leeches and they like go into your mouth 
and like it's a mind control thing so so very similar to the Geonosian queen but like I I hated it I think I I could not I could not watch it um and watching like horror movies not a lot of things scare me in horror movies but that that was something that genuinely made me uncomfortable and so with the Geonosians like I I cannot watch it's one of my favorite episode arcs which is weird but like I hate the fact that that was what they did with the Geonosian queen it grossed me out so so and and like the fact that they had to go back twice so they captured Geonosius one time and then they had to go back a second time because of the worms like that was not something that was super comfortable for me so when in the Clone Wars series yes yeah yes I am um so when they went back a third time like and that planet holds a lot for Anakin because that like he almost died with his girlfriend and then that's where the Jedi kind of come and have this really cool moment and like he almost dies and then they have to go back again and destroy a weapons outpost and he almost loses Ahsoka and he almost loses Padme the first time like that that holds such a a special place for for him or not necessarily a special place because that makes it sound like good things happen there but like a complicated place a a place with a lot of emotion I feel like Afro poking and prodding at that brought back a lot of feelings because he has like flashbacks in the comic like it's it's separate comic panels and he's like this happened here and and she's trying to get to the bottom of it she's like well well why do you have so many feelings about this place kind of thing Mm-hmm. I feel like she was trying to become closer to him, you know, as, especially because she will end up working so closely with him. Like them going back, I couldn't. And like with the reintroduction of the queen, like that was not, not it for me. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely a little creepy for sure. They're not my, they're not my favorite, but they're okay. But yeah, so if, so that was her first mission, obviously. What was, mm-hmm. what was your favorite one that you read? So... I read that one and I read one other one and and both of them were very very weird. I I think I liked the her first mission and her solo line. I think one of the funniest moments for me was when she was going to to sell an item to a museum that she like worked for because she's a doctor and they were like your doctor static status has been revoked dude like you can't do that and she was so angry mm-hmm. and I, just, I thought that was really funny she was like I, like I'm a doctor I'm really a doctor like of course I cheated to get here but but I am like I'm a doctor I know my stuff and then her dad comes in and is like I did this for you I did this to teach you a lesson kind of thing mm-hmm. um so I thought that that was really funny I think that her dad is is so opposite of her there but but they're almost exactly the same right? Like he's, he's her, but nicer almost. He's, he's blinded by the same single-mindedness that she is, but they, they, they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. Differently, yeah. yeah. I think that that was great. I think that her like little adventure with her dad was great. That comic run, her dad is like, I will help you get your doctor's license back if you help me study this ancient Jedi knockoff cult. And so they kind of go and she finds a bunch of dead Jedi and just starts picking up their lightsabers, which I think is really funny that that was her first thought. Yeah, I mean, what would you do in that situation? I would pick up the lightsabers and sell them. I mean, I feel like it's it's the age of the empire, right? So it's 
Jedi aren't a thing anymore, I feel like lightsabers would go for a lot of money. So you in the black market, are they? No. No, not in the black market. But like you can either get rich or respect the ancient Jedi culture that is no longer around. And so I I would probably choose the get rich thing. I would probably feel bad about it, but I would do it. Yeah. And that's just kind of how she operates. Like it's ancient weaponry and from an ancient battle. And what is she going to do? She's going to profit off of it. Well, also nobody's using it. Nobody's using, nobody's using those lightsabers. Nobody's using that temple. It doesn't, who is she hurting? Mm -hmm. Nobody. You had mentioned, so I have yet to watch Book of Boba Fett. I'm getting there. But you had said that Black Chrysanthemum was mentioned in Book of Boba Fett, correct? Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you when you watch the show, you will understand what I'm talking about. My question was gonna be: Do you ever think that she's going to make it to the live screen? I feel like she could. Um, I think that'd be really cool if she did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's she's very much a comic book character at heart, though. I think the way that she's written and the way that she interacts with the story and all of that is, it's very much meant to be on a comic book page. That being said, if she showed up in a a movie, I would be absolutely down for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Or a TV show, I'd be here. Like she's, she is, she's got a lot of great character quality and a, a lot of material to work with for her. Um, and I think that there are a lot of stories that she still has to tell. And I think that could be done on screen. But <laughs> in the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with still reading her comic books. Right, right. What, is, what would you say is your favorite thing about her? I think, I think how funny she is. And, and that's part of what I'm talking about with the, the idea that she's meant for the pages of a comic book. A lot of the things that she says, a lot of the little one-liners, a lot of the little anecdotes they work very well in a speech bubble. I don't mm-hmm. think they'd work as well in a TV show setting, in a dialogue setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that about her. I like, I like the fact that she's a queer person. Oh, is uh, she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep reading just a little bit and you'll get to, to where that's found out. Oh, wait. Uh, her dad was like, you have terrible taste in women, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I picked, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, because she's... She was like, yeah, you're really pretty to an Imperial officer, even though she's wanted by the Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I, I think that part of her personality is really cool. Um, I definitely appreciate that a lot. And I also like that while she she is good enough to stand on her own, I definitely think that the characters that surround her are also mm-hmm. super interesting, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I definitely wanted to bring up about her her companions Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes through a, a couple different companions that travel with her. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet many of them. Um, I have met BT, I've met Triple Zero, and I've met Chris Anton. I don't think, I did get to a point in one of the comics, um, I didn't finish reading it, but she does meet up with Leia Han and Luke for a little bit, right? Yes, she does. That's so weird to me. She worked for their dad. Mm-hmm. Well, she actually has, before she gets her own run, she has her own kind of story thread through the Darth Vader comics and through the mainline Star Wars comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so like after she is kind of written off by Vader, uh, for a little while she is on the run and shows up in the Star Wars comics and is 
thrown in prison for a little bit, helps break out of the prison. It, it's it's a pretty interesting story, and the way that she interacts with those main characters, the main Star Wars characters, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think her her first characters that she's introduced alongside um, the ones you mentioned: BT One, mm-hmm. the Astromech Droid, Zero Zero Zero, or Triple Zero, the Protocol Droid. Uh, and Black Chrysanthemum, I think those are probably some of her more iconic companions. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was really weird. I mean, I feel like all protocol droids look exactly the same, but the the most iconic one is 3PO. Mm-hmm. And when I was like reading the book, Triple Zero is like, he's harsh. He talks about killing people and like massacring people all the time. And I think that it's really funny because <laughs> you yeah. see like some of them, most of them are very dignified. They're very like, I am fluent in every language in the galaxy kind of thing. And then he's just like, I could kill this person in multiple different ways. And it's yeah. great. Like that's, yeah. I think that that is very funny. 3PO knows languages, triple zero knows how to kill people. I don't necessarily think it's killing. I think it's like massacring. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely, he's got some issues. Yeah, I feel like most like action and adventure, like really big franchises like Marvel or Star Wars, like I, Luke and Leia have daddy issues, right? I feel like they probably need to go to therapy for that. I feel like Afra probably needs that a little bit too, because I feel like she's one of the people that uses humor to cope with her trauma. Mm-hmm. Just maybe talking to somebody would like really benefit her. Yeah, I, I think so too. But that's <laughs> also kind of like what her companions are there for so that she has someone to talk to and to play off of and like not be a completely terrible and also somewhat depressed person. Would you consider her a bounty? She's not really a bounty hunter. Is no, she- she's an archaeologist. No, she's an archaeologist, but she works for profit, but she also works with a bounty hunter. Yeah. I love the the kind of format that star wars has with the you you have a droid you have a human and then you have like a separate species companion or you have like a humanoid character and then you have like a like a big separate species muscly character mm-hmm. um like luke Leia and han have chewy mando has grogu <laughs> um yeah so like she she has that and like it's the the very specific format for her little group but they work very differently than we've seen before because i think at one point they literally up and leave her to, oh yeah they yeah they, her, her companions are not loyal no they're not great at by any means but they're she's also they're, not loyal to them though the way that she talks and, and all uh, of that like she's she's very ready to lead them if she needs to Yeah, we were making our Edge of the Empire characters the other day. I said that I had a crew and they literally up and left me at one point. And that's kind of what happened to her. But she goes back and is like, no, I get it. I would I would have done the same thing. You you did what you had to do, which I think is like speaks a lot to her character because she I feel like she has a hard time caring about people. And in, in the business that she's in, she has to has to be ready for people to leave her. Yeah, she has a hard time caring for people, but she also understands that people have a hard time caring for her. And I don't think that it ever really gets in the way of their relationship because it is, it, it's set with that expectation. I think she's a great character. And if you have time to read her comic books, I think you absolutely should. Do you think she would ever show up at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? She could. <laughs> she'd be she'd be around 60. Oh, 
Um, because she, she was only is 24 when the Death Star was destroyed. She, she is really young. I don't know if this is just me maybe reading into it a little bit, but is she also Asian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I was like, that's really cool. Um, I love I love seeing people like me on the comic book pages or on the mm-hmm. big screen. It's really it's really nice for my ego. <laughs> yeah, no, she absolutely is. She's she's great. I like because I couldn't tell. I wasn't sure. But I was like, she she definitely looks like she could be, which is which is really cool. You asked me this question when we talked about Gwenpool, and now I'm going to ask you this question. For people who haven't met Dr. Afri yet, what would be one comic that you would recommend reading of her? That's a good question. I think I think the most accessible one is the Black Spire Outpost one or the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge comic, just because it's a it's a five comic series and really gives you a good taste of who she is and kind of how her character has been developed. It definitely is a complete story, but it also leaves you wanting more of her. So if you're, if you're looking to read something that has her in it, I would start there. Of course, you can always just pick up the, the Dr. Afro run from, from 2015 or 2016 mm-hmm. um, and, and just start going from there because it, it, it just jumps straight into who she is and, and her backstory. You don't really need to know much about her at that time other than she used to work for Vader and now she doesn't and he thinks she's dead. So I, either of those I think would be a good starting point unless you yeah. want to start at the beginning and then you can read the Darth Vader ones. Uh, but there's 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 not a wrong way to read her. I yeah, I think definitely she's great, and I'm really upset that I had waited so long to read about her. And you're definitely next time we're there, you're gonna have to point out the sword and docks. Yeah, oh for sure I will. So yeah, definitely check out the Star Wars Doctor A- Doctor Afro run from 2016. Um, there's also a new one from 2020, and she's a pretty great character. All right, so welcome to this week's. What are you reading? So what are you reading this week? So funny story, actually, I am not reading anything. I am watching something. Um, I just started watching Manto, um, which I know so many people were telling me, like when I would ask about things that happened, like so many people were like, no, you have to watch it. I'm not going to tell you. Um, And so I got to, to maybe the second episode and I was like, this is just Pedro Pascal running around with a cute little baby Yoda thing. I like, I didn't, I didn't like it. And so that was, that was like probably a couple months ago. And then I just started watching it again. And so I like sat through the first and second ones. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like this is actually pretty good. Um, Pedro Pascal, phenomenal actor. Grogu is the cutest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. He is adorable. I, I think he's very sassy for being 50 years old and still a child, which I, I love, um, especially when he's, I don't know if you remember this episode, but with the frog people mm-hmm. um, and her, um, her season two. yeah, and her children, um, he just like keeps eating the eggs and, and Mando's like, dude, like I told you not to do that because those are her children you can't do that but he just is like i they're they're yummy tasty snacks yeah i found (laughs) that a little disturbing because um they are like the last two of that species you know i thought it was i thought it was pretty funny but also i just think that like the sass level that he has solid i was sitting somewhere and doing my hair and um ahsoka came on and i screamed i was so excited 
um because obviously I knew that that happened but I thought it was really just like a passing thing but she's in the whole episode she's in the entire episode like the entire episode is is based around a conflict that she has and I was like I love her she's amazing um I love snips are you finished with it are you all caught up I have Moff Gideon just took him so I think I have like one or two more episodes um I think you have two two yeah I I was so I was irate when I when he took him I was like dude like you can't that's a child Mm -hmm. and that's like almost equivalent that is that is child abuse like you can't you can't lock him up in a cage he's probably like not even a foot tall like are you serious um I was I was livid they were being so mean to him and I like my boys were separated I think I I think I texted you and like all caps just like bro what I was so mad especially because Amanda was such a dad like he he is he's a father that is that is his child actually I think I don't think Moff Gideon just took him I think it was the second episode with Mayfield in it where they're delivering the Rhydonium. So I think I only have one episode left. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I only have one episode left. But but like the fact that he is doing he dropped everything to go find his his son. Like that mm-hmm. that was so sweet. I am very excited to see what you know Fennec and Boba and and Mando do to Moff Gideon once they find him cuz it can't be something good. Right. There's no way that Moff Gideon is going to come out in in good shape after they took him. He did just reach out through the force. I think he has a Jedi looking for him and I think it's Luke Skywalker. So so he's got two Mandalorians. She's not really a cyborg, but like (laughs) Fennec Jan, Ming-Na Wen, who is a goddess, by the way. She's a master assassin. She she really is. She's also I've heard she does like seventy five percent of her own stunts. Yeah, she's really cool. She's, she's really cool. She's amazing. I she, she he's got a lot of people coming for him, and there's no there's absolutely no way that he's gonna make it out without you know maybe getting a little a little banged up. Yeah, you'll have to watch it and let me know what you think of it, and then immediately yeah. watch the book of Boba book Fett. Of Boba Fett. <laughs> Is that the original? It's, that's the original actor, right? Tamora Morrison. Yeah. He's not the original actor to play Boba Fett. He's not. Um, no, I know, but I'm talking in like the the prequels. He played Django, right? He did. Yes, he played. Yeah. He played Django Fett. He he's not Jeremy Bullock who played it, Boba Fett Boba. originally. Um, but but Tamora Morrison did play Django. He plays the clones. Um, and he did do the the voice dubbing when they re released Empire. Uh, after the prequels came out but yeah he's he's uh he's the he is boba fett um he's a really cool guy too like he's uh very very much from from new zealand he when book of boba fett came out um someone actually carved him a mandalorian helmet um but in a a maori style so like uh that's kind of the the culture of of a lot of folks from new zealand like the the, uh very like maui from Moana type right. culture, he got a helmet, like a wood carved helmet, and mm-hmm. it, it was like was presented to him in an, an entire ceremony and everything. Um, and it was it's really cool to to look at once you if you have a chance to look up the the 
article or or whatever it might be. It's a really cool thing. He actually played um, Moana's dad in um, Moana. He didn't do the singing. No, because because I think for the dad. I thought Christopher Jackson played. Um, Christopher Jackson did the singing voice. Did the singing. Yeah, but Tamora Morrison did the voice acting. There was something else that I wanted to ask you really quick before I finish, but um, I don't understand like the different Mandalorian cultures because like obviously we have Bo-Katan and she takes off her helmet like all the mm-hmm. time, and then we have Din Djarin who like refuses to take it off period end of story and so when she was like oh you're a child of the watch I was like death watch for serious mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like is that is that what it is yeah I think or Din Djarin, um his clan grew out of what was the death watch and they're a lot more strict hardcore um, by the book Mandalorians where you don't take your helmet off you don't like mm-hmm. everything is for the clan and this is the way and all of that Whereas, like, obviously, uh, Bo-Katan is a lot more relaxed right. after what she's been through. I'm very excited to finish to finish Mando, and then I have to go straight into Boba. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited for this. Okay, so what are you reading this week, Josh? So I'm reading something that's actually directly related in some ways to The Mandalorian. Um, do you remember in the Ahsoka episode... Where what she asks at the very end of it. Yeah, when she's fighting um, that lady, she's like, where is, where is your master, Grand Admiral Thrawn, right? Mm-hmm. So I am currently rereading um, Thrawn, the novel by Timothy Zahn, and I'm intending to read all of the Thrawn books. So there's, there's six in total. It's two trilogies. Um, I read Thrawn years ago when it first came out. Uh, I actually have a signed copy of the book by Timothy Zahn. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to get through it before Ahsoka comes out. So I've got plenty of time. But he is he's definitely one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. Um, he, If you don't know who, who Grand Admiral Thrawn is, he was uh, introduced a couple decades ago. Um, in a book series, a book trilogy, also by Timothy Zahn, that's now part of Legends, um, called Heir to the Empire, um, where he is one of the main and high-ranking admirals left after the destruction of the Second Death Star and the death of the Emperor. Um, He kind of reunifies the Imperial remnants and causes a lot of trouble for the new Galactic Republic. Um, of course, that's all been retconned now. That's all part of Legends, but the character himself has been reintroduced. Um, and he first came back in um, in his book, in Thrawn, um, and then also in Star Wars Rebels. Um, have you seen all of Rebels? I have not. I am very, I can't, I feel like I shouldn't call myself a Star Wars fan because I haven't seen a bunch of stuff. Um, but I I watched it when I, I, I watched all of it when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I like have forgotten most of it since so I I probably should rewatch it because Star Wars Rebels is the best piece of Star Wars media that has ever been made it's the best (laughs) show that's ever been made um but the book Thrawn uh starts like 20-ish years before the Battle of Yavin um and introduces Thrawn uh who is not a human he is a Chiss um which is a blue-skinned alien uh, with red eyes from the unknown regions. So previous to him inter- interacting with uh, 
the imperial troops that find him um the empire had really no idea who the chiss were outside of like some fringe um fables and legends about them um but he's a brilliant tactician he's a great military strategist and the book is about him rising to prominence in the ranks of the empire um during the the clone wars he actually interacted with anakin skywalker um and that's how he gets he gains the emperor's favor and is like enlisted or uh, brought in as an officer rather um to the imperial navy and he just very quickly rises up the ranks and um is this ruthless ruthless guy um it's it's hard not to be afraid of him when you're watching rebels but when you're reading his story it's hard not to root for him um and what's really cool is that he's the same character through and through he's he's just got all these complexities to him and the supporting characters in the book are also great uh the book also details the rise of arinda price um, who becomes the governor of lethal and is a character in star wars rebels um and it, it's it's a very very good book and and at the end of the day um and I'm excited to reread this one. I'm almost done with it and to move on to the rest of them for the first time. Does this book have pictures, Josh? It doesn't. No, it's an actual novel. So you can read. I can. I can. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I just Surprise. learned how to read again. And you I, you took after me. That's so nice. When you say that he's the same character through and through, do you mean that he has little to no character development? Or is that like... Uh, quite the contrary there's a lot of character development but at at his core at his heart you you can tell that the character that you're reading in the book is the same character that you're seeing on screen oh, um, I feel like okay. a lot of times when characters are uh, when, when they have stories told in different mediums or even in, in different movies um, it's sometimes hard to follow logically how the character gets like how, how it's the same character right um one of the more immediate examples that that i can think of as it relates to star wars um is how does anakin skywalker get to darth vader mm -hmm. um i i love the prequel movies i love hayden christensen honestly um but I've always had a hard time like reasoning out the exact jump from Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader. And I know that it's, it's a gradual thing. Like the, the seeds of it are planted, obviously, in The Phantom Menace. He does some things in Attack of the Clones that get him further to that. And then like there's there's noticeable beats, right? Like mm -hmm. he's he's afraid in episode one. His mom dies in episode two and he he goes in and murders the, the Tuscan Raiders. He ignores the Jedi oaths and 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 the all of that and marries Padme. Um, and then in episode three, like obviously he kills Count Dooku pretty ruthlessly. And it's just there there is progression for sure. I did not believe that progression though until watching the Clone Wars animated series. Um, like seeing how they kind of bridge the gaps between episodes two and three specifically. I think made that transition from Anakin to Darth Vader a lot smoother. Um, and as this relates to the character of Thrawn, you don't really need that mm -hmm. because it, he's he's so well-written and so well-defined and developed that it does make sense how he goes from 
being this lowly lieutenant in the Imperial Navy to Grand Admiral Thrawn by the time Rebels is around. But it's a good book. 10 out of 10 would recommend. You should read it. I'm surprised you can read. (laughs) Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. The character development there from comic books to actual novels. Okay. We finally did it. All right, it's everybody's favorite time of the episode. It's our speed round. We basically talk about six things for one minute each, and they all have something to do with nerdy news. And this week, Josh is going to start us off. So tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. All right, go. All right, so today, actually, the day that we're recording, um, they released a trailer for the new She-Hulk series that's coming to Disney Plus, starring Tatiana Maslany and also a bunch of other supporting actors and and, and great cast. Um, She-Hulk, obviously, we've we've talked about her before on this show um, a while back, but she's still one of my favorite characters. She's uh, Jennifer Walters and is a lawyer, and it it I'm just so excited for it. Um, she seems like a really cool adaptation of the character from the comic books. Um, and I cannot wait to see where this show takes us with her. Um, it's going to be great. Uh, and my favorite part from the trailer was the part where it says, you'll like her when she's angry, um, because I think we're going to like her when she's angry. All right. So this is a little bit new for speed round, but Stray is an adventure game with a cyberpunk aesthetic where you must work to untangle an ancient mystery and escape a long forgotten city. And the thing about this video game is you are going to be playing as a cat. So not as a human, you are playing as an actual feline animal. There are a couple of different aspects to this video game because of the the creature you're playing as. You have to go around scratching different things. Um, You also have to solve this mystery with different robots because it takes place in a post-apocalyptic setting. The game will be available on PS4 and on PS5 and a Microsoft Windows program and it is set to release later this year. I'm very excited for this. Um, I don't own a PlayStation, but I will be watching Let's Play of it. You just want the cats. I just want the cats. All right, Uh, in in keeping with the Star Wars theme of the episode, uh, my next thing that I wanna talk about are the comments that Kathleen Kennedy made in the Vanity Fair article that dropped today, um, highlighting the Disney Plus series for Star Wars, Um, all of them, so including Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, Mandalorian, um, all of the ones that are coming. Uh, she made some comments about Solo, a Star Wars story that I just don't love. Solo, a Star Wars story is not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it, it's definitely a good watch. My issues with it have to do with the tone and the sort of disjointed storyline at some points and the way they treat some of the other characters. The comments that Kathleen Kennedy made are about how they took Alden Aaron Reich and Donald Glover and had them play these beloved characters. Han Solo and Lando Calrissian, and it apparently didn't work out. I wholeheartedly disagree. I think they did a great job bringing those characters to life, um, especially in the era that they were portraying them. Um, and I think that the faults that that I see in the movie have nothing to do with them. Um, and it makes me really sad that that the executives and producers over there are blaming these actors for the shortcomings of the movie, when really and truly it was the the writing and the directing and um, all of the turmoil that that movie went through in production. Um, and I just don't appreciate the fact that she's blaming that on 
those wonderful actors who did a great job. What? I'm you didn't sorry. Hear about that? No. So she uh, she said that um, they learned a lot from creating Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, they tried to have these new faces and these new characters come out and portray these beloved people that we are familiar with from the Star Wars universe. And it just didn't work out. And they know that now. Solo, a Star Wars story is a good movie. It really is. It is uh, not my favorite. And it is not my favorite for very specific reasons. And none of those reasons have to do with Alden or Donald. Again, keeping with the Star Wars theme. There's a new Star Wars fan film coming from Backyard Tripod Films, and it will be releasing July 27th, so very, very soon. Um, the Secrets of the Temple is set during the time of the Empire and will follow a group of Jedi and their trials. Um, again, this is set during the time of the Empire, and it is a fan film. It will focus a lot on legends, and that is okay. They're also going to talk about the origin of the Inquisitors because Star Wars has a lot of canon and the Inquisitors origin is not, to my knowledge, super duper discussed. So they're going to talk about that. Um, it's filmed in Utah and Miss Utah, Sasha Sloan, will also be making a cameo as a Jedi. We're I'm super duper excited about this and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about it. That's really cool. Yeah. Recently, I've been reading a lot about fan-made projects and seeing what some people come up with and the time and effort that they put into these passion projects is really, really interesting, especially adding to, to the canon or interpreting canon in different ways is really, really cool to see. Yeah. Fans are really cool. Yeah. We, um, we do a lot fans of can also really suck, which actually brings me to my last speedrun topic. A lot of discourse has been happening on the internet over the past several months about what to expect in the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And one of the things that people keep saying that they're super excited for is a live action adaptation of the Obi-Wan Darth Maul fight that happens in Star Wars Rebels. This does not need to happen. This shouldn't happen. And I don't think it's going to happen. But it leans into the idea that animation is not a valid medium of storytelling and that Ooh. everything has to be adapted to live action for it no. to mean anything. Exactly. No. Um, a lot of a lot of fans are really hardcore into the idea of this being portrayed on screen. Um, obviously it will not have a place in the storyline because it doesn't match up timeline wise um, but also go just go watch Star Wars Rebels go watch that because it's so good it's such a good series it is it it, it is my one of my one of my all-time favorite things that's ever been created and you should just go watch that instead of wishing for the scenes that you that, that are good and that mean something to come to live action because they already exist and we don't need to recreate them. My last topic of speed round is about the Avatar Way of Water trailer that played before Dr. Shrington Multiverse of Atmos. First off, it looks great, okay? And, and let me just remind you that Avatar is the highest grossing box office movie ever. So I'm really nervous that it's not gonna top the original. Avatar has a lot to do with the way that we kind of appreciate our planet. And the whole big lesson is, is to love the earth or to love the planet and community in which you are in. 
And I'm really excited to see how the environment looks from the ending of the first movie to the beginning of the second movie. You can kind of see that at Pandora, the world of Avatar at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, there's a lot of vines growing over some of the old work equipment. Um, and they still have like different trash cans and there's still remnants of the first movie in the world. And so I'm excited to see maybe if any correlation, how that translates into the movie. I really hope there's a little plant entering uh, Pandora. His name is Flasky. He's adorable. I love him, but you like pet the side of him and he spouts out water. So I really hope that we get to see more um, vegetation and plant life in um, the second one. I'm also really excited to see maybe how the animal life is a little bit different because I'm not sure how, you know, what the time difference between the ending of the first movie and the beginning of the second movie is going to be, but I am very excited about it. I'm excited to see the changes made to Pandora, and I'm really interested to see how the relationship between the Navi and humans have has changed. I, I remember I saw the first one. Uh, I, I saw Avatar in theaters and IMAX when it came out. That was my first time seeing it. Um, and the most recent time I saw it was when it came out in theaters and IMAX. <laughs> so I'm very glad that you're excited for it. Um, I'm probably going to go see it, but I I could not tell you exactly what happens in the first one. I have a vague idea, um, yeah. and I remember some key points of it, but yeah. it's just been so long. It looks like it's going to be a great movie. It'll be cool. I'm yeah. I'm excited that it's finally happening. Yeah, I've waited. I've waited 13 years for this. I've waited almost a decade and a half. Okay, let's. <laughs> I hope it's good. Um, Okay, circling back to what you said about Solo, a Star Wars story, I love Solo. And so the fact that somebody said that Donald Glover was not a good Lando, I disagree. I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think- Yeah, and not just somebody. It was Kathleen Kennedy, creative lead for Lucasfilm. Here's my thing, right? I don't think that Kathleen Kennedy, as the creative director who helped decide the people who were going to play those characters- should be allowed or, or she doesn't get to blame them for her shortcomings. I personally like Solo. I think it's a good movie. I agree with you though. Like there are a couple of different things that like storytelling is a little bit off for me, but overall, I think it's a very good movie. Just because, you know, you didn't like the way it turned out, you don't get to blame who brought the actors to life. Ultimately, do not get to be upset with the actors because- Really and truly, they're really just doing what they were told to do. I, I think we should probably dig into it a little bit more. Maybe in in the future, we can read. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a Lando comic out there. It's based on uh, that time period. I love where, Lando and, and Donald Glover's portrayal of him. Um, so we can we can definitely unpack that a little bit more later. Yeah, you're right. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back again next week with another Star Wars themed episode, which we're very, very excited about. And coincidentally, it'll come out on the same day as the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you all again next week.